everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test. I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about things we should have learned in school but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we talk about how many bad movies we've watched this week, or how many amazing movies <laughs> we've watched this week, because I learned something important. High School Musical is actually good. Yeah, I, I'm obsessed with High School Musical. It started off as a joke between uh, my friend Cassie and me. And then I just kind of fell into it more and more and more. And I found out this weekend as we were looking for a Hallmark-style Christmas movie to watch that Austin has never seen any of the High School Musicals. So thankfully, we still have Disney+. And we watched High School Musical. And at the end, he said, my life is better now that I have watched this. It's the songs are not good, but oh my God, the choreography is amazing. Yeah. And it just gets better and better as the movies go. And he went on a lot of emotional journeys with Zac Efron throughout it. Mostly it was in reaction to Sharpay, who is... High School Musical 2, his facial journey as Sharpay does Sharpay things all over the place. It's brilliant. I love Zac Efron. I love, I love all of them, really. Lucas Graviel is underrated and Corbin Blue is massively underrated. Yes, he was amazing. Apparently he designed all of his own t-shirts. That's what That's what I read. I also got to see him on Broadway in, in The Heights when he played Usnavi. Ooh. And it was fairly early in his run. And you can tell this dude does not speak Spanish as a first language or even as a second language. But you could tell he's like been working on it. And he was a lot of fun to watch. He's so talented and he's just so underrated. Yeah. And also Zeke, the guy who plays Zeke, turned out super hot. Yeah, that was like he was like that oh god. What was that movie where the where the where the lead actor was just uncomfortably hot? It was like this, this guy is too beautiful. Why is he? Oh, it was the Dolly Parton Christmas movie. Yeah, the Dolly Parton Christmas movie where the pastor was like aggressively attractive. It made me uncomfortable. That movie I don't know what to think about the Dolly Parton Christmas movie. See, if Christine Baranski's in it, I'm probably going to enjoy it. And Dolly Parton is just like a national treasure. She's she's going to save all of our lives. She's already started. I, I don't even like country music, and I like Dolly Parton. Well, she did sing Jolene. And do you see how hot Jolly, Dolly Parton was back in the 70s? Uh, do you see Who, how hot she is now? For a 70, like 76? Something like that. Yeah. And I love that she, like owns that she's had plastic surgery. So many celebrities are like, no, I just had a deviated septum or no, I just got better bras. But Dolly Parton's like, this makes me feel good about myself. Why is that a problem for See, you? I spent a lot of money on this. Damn right. I'm going to brag about it. Yeah, she looks great. We also we tried to watch a couple movies that were real bad. And then we ended up landing on one called Holly Star. Oh, yeah. It started out bizarre. It's, it's the tagline is something along the lines of it's hard out there for a puppeteer. So we knew we had to watch it. And there's treasure and near-death experiences and the patriarchy, but not in the smash the patriarchy way and the unfortunate way. It's and in the, uh, just kind of embrace the patriarchy. It's fine. Yeah. So that was actually, that's actually a fun watch if you want something that you can yell at the screen during and be kind of baffled by. So we've had quite the week of those and we had a great Thanksgiving. Yep. I smoked a salmon. We had some funeral potatoes. We stuffed some mushrooms. We ate a lot of pie. Yeah. Oh man, I forgot I had pie sitting out on the counter downstairs defrosting. It's going to be melty by the time we're done. So before we get into it, one last thing. Indie Pods United is happening right now. I tuned into some of the podcasts this morning. We've both been watching some of the workshops that are going on. This episode comes out the same day that we are doing our, our live show. And we're really, really excited to do it. We are going on from 6 to 6.30 Central Standard Time that evening. You can find us on IndiePodsUnited.com. You click on the schedule for that day. 
you click on the top, it says it'll say evening podcasts or even evening workshops or schedules or something. You click on that. It takes you to the YouTube page. You can watch us go. You can see our we're trying to get it clean kind of podcast studio. We're in our old podcast studio for this because we don't have a camera in here. And even if we did, it wouldn't be able to see both of us because we are like vaguely distant. This is in a closet. Yes, we're in a closet and we can't have a camera in here. I mean, we can. It just would look really bad. You'd probably get to look at our wall the whole time. Yeah, it'd be like a weird, distressed brick wall and like an electrical cord. Yeah. So IndiePods United is happening right now. You can still get tickets. It runs through, I want to say, Thursday. What, so uh, whatever day December days. 3rd is. And so you can still watch it. We've found the workshops really helpful so far. They are geared towards podcasters, but anybody can really learn about a lot of different things from them. They also, for the paid versions, have like comedians and stuff coming on. But the podcasts are all free to watch. So if you have not been tuning in, make sure you are IndiePodsUnited.com. Yes. Who goes first this week? I get to go first this week. So because we've been thinking about all of this family and family-friendly bullshit, um, I was going to talk about another thing from the 80s we didn't learn about because uh, you probably don't learn much about what happened like after the Vietnam War in history class because God knows I didn't. I didn't even get as far as the Vietnam War. Yeah, for us, that's where like history class ended. And probably for a lot of people, you're not going to learn about this stuff in history class because your teachers lived through it. So why are they going to talk about it? This is just common knowledge. Everybody knows this. Well, you also have certain things you have to cover. You only have a certain amount of time in the year. Even if your textbook happens to go through it, you have to pick and choose. And also, your textbook's probably not going to cover the uh, scandalous downfall of an early televangelist. Oh, also, can you imagine if you were covering something that happened during your students' parents' lifetimes that they have a differing opinion on? Oh, damn. Yeah, because this is definitely one where uh, people still have differing opinions like, on it. Can you imagine right now if they're teaching about September 11th and they were like, now, these people who crashed the planes are not representative of Islam or the Middle East. These people were just evil people who decided to kill a whole lot of people. And then you got the parents who were like, no, it's because they're brown and Muslim. God, that'd be a lot to put up with as a teacher. And not only is it about a televangelist, but um, have you ever wondered what would have happened if uh, the Reverend Jim Jones, instead of deciding to open a suicide cult in South America, had decided to open a theme park in North Carolina instead? I wonder that literally every single day. Well, wonder no longer. All right. Wait, Jim Jones opened this? No, Jim Baker and his wife, Tammy Faye Baker, opened a theme park in North Carolina. Do we have proof that Jim Jones is neither of those people? Actually, okay, um, Jim, uh, Jim Baker, I want you to picture a white Kim Jong-il, like the same hair, same giant glasses, even like the same kind of like weird jumpsuit gray thing going on. It's like very similar look. I remember Tammy Faye Baker as a punchline, but I don't remember what the jokes were. So, um, the joke about Tammy Faye Baker was, uh, imagine if you took a potato and you put way too much makeup on this potato, and then you thought, I don't want all of this makeup to, like, presumably fall off of this potato because there's an inch thick of makeup on it. So you lacquered that makeup in place <laughs> with a very, very glossy lacquer. That is Tammy Faye Baker. Too much makeup, very shiny. And now available in our merch store, you can yeah. find our hand-painted potatoes. You know what? Um, If someone comments and says, like, hey, send me a hand-painted potato that I will glossy lacquer for you. Actually, I will, we will 100% will do, that. If, do that. If you want us to send you potatoes, we will do it at the cost of the shipping, handling, and maybe an extra dollar for makeup and potatoes. It's like, honestly, it's like, just we'll send you a potato and we don't even have... Okay. You don't even have to put a potato in a package. Yeah, you, you don't. I actually got an ad for that, like, sent to my email the other like, day. You can just, like, put an address and a stamp on a potato, and you can send that potato. But that would mess up the makeup. We got to put it in a nope, box. because we lacquered it. We used a lot of lacquer. <laughs> 
So our, our postal service guy will be like, you know what? I know we're not supposed to let the post stop for anything, but I'm not coming to this house anymore. <laughs> it's like we're going to get a letter from the post office. Like, look, what you're doing is legal, but it's really creepy. And like, <laughs> he's having a bad day already. You got to stop with the potatoes. Yeah, no, 100%. We will send you a made up potato. I don't wear my makeup anyway. We got this. Yes. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, they were busy conning America in an exciting new way with televangelism. Ooh. Yeah. So he became famous at first for ripping off the late night talk show format, but making it about Jesus instead. So it's kind of like the 500 Club. 700 Club? Yeah. Yeah. It's even It was even on uh, Pat Roberts Network. Mm-hmm. So he got famous doing that. And, you know, Tammy Faye Baker would sing. Also, Tammy Faye Baker cannot sing. <laughs> You can you can look up videos of her on YouTube. It's bad. But, you know, it was Christian, so it was wholesome. And, yeah. So he got stupid rich doing this mm-hmm. and decided he was going to start his own TV network, the PTL Television Network. What does PTL stand for? Praise the Lord. That's not even clever. No. And they taught the prosperity gospel. And this is the biggest con I have ever heard. Okay, off the top of my head, it's like if Dave Ramsey teamed up with Jesus. Yeah, no, it's here. we go. Uh, I'm going to break it down for you. So uh, you need to give lots of money to the church, specifically me. Not Austin, his church, no, although I'm, you can give the money to Austin. Yeah, just give me money. And if you give me money, God will reward you with more money than what you gave me. And your life will be better because you gave me money. That is true if you send money to Austin. Oh, something bad happened? Well, you must not be giving money. Don't give up. You got to keep giving me money because good things are going to happen if you keep giving me money. And oh, something good happened? Wow. Look at how amazing giving me money works to make good (laughs) things happen to you. You should give me more money. Makes me think of when I was in middle school, I had to do for my uh, confirmation classes, I had to go visit other churches, not other religions, just other churches. And one of these churches, which was the biggest and wealthiest Catholic church in the area, said, you know, guys, we're really struggling financially. We need you to raise your tithes. You can't raise an individual church's tithes. That is not how that works. And I was actively uncomfortable about this. Yeah. And of course, oh, um, make me pay taxes on my private jet. Uh, sprawling compound, classic cars, and my private army of security guards. Uh, I am a church good, sir. I don't pay taxes. So we've proven that churches are people. Yes. And it's ridiculous. And like, I am, I am too moral to try and like con someone this way. I could not do this. I could. I mean, after this election, I'm thinking like there's about like what, seven, 70 million people I would absolutely be willing to con in this way. But those are the ones that would be able to be conned in this way. I know. We would put in our secret left-wing messages saying, guys, this is a con. I wonder how... I wonder. Find how much... us on Parler. Oh my... Uh, we could get on Parler, but I don't want to share my social security number and driver's license with an obvious sting operation. You only have to do that if you want to be an influencer. Everybody else is assumed to be a bot, as I understand it. <laughs> this is... No, I'm not talking about you and me on Parler. I'm talking about our televangelistic church will be on Parler. And that's how we'll get the audience we want. But the audience we want to not con will know that we are some kind of hoax. I've got this all planned out, Austin. The business plan is downstairs. Yeah. So it is estimated that the bakers were making about a million dollars a month in donations in 1979 and about 10 million a month by 1985. 
just in donations. That's in addition to all of their other properties, investments, advertising, all of that stuff. So they were raking in the cash, and the bakers were using that cash to greatly personally enrich themselves. I am shocked by this. Shocked. Now, there were several early investigations into this by the FCC and other organizations that uh, got torpedoed by the Reagan administration. The people who brought us the D.A.R.E. program? Yeah, because he wanted to keep the evangelical right happy. See what happens whenever you want to do that? Yeah, and so... Any investigation into them would have been bad for him politically, so he just stopped investigations into them. And let me tell you about some of the stuff they spent the the money that was given to them as church donations on. Uh, They paid millions of dollars of bonuses to themselves. Mm -hmm. They had many houses. Mm -hmm. Like in all of their utilities, food, clothes, makeup, hair, all paid for by this. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had a 55-foot long houseboat. They had a recording studio for Tammy Faye Baker. (laughs) And basically were funding an entire recording career because no one was buying her music. But by God, they were producing it. You know, we should try this, Austin. We've got a recording studio already. Look at this place. They had a full-on camp, like, compound campus. They all had uh, several antique cars. Uh, Dave Barry described them as the personification of the worst excesses and shamelessness of the 80s. And this was the 80s. This was, like, when Trump was around, and Dave Barry thought they were worse than Trump. And Dave Barry hates Trump. So, uh, yeah, then they also built a theme park. That's awesome. Yep. It's called Heritage USA and was in South Carolina. And it kind of started out as like a Christian retreat and townhomes for good Christian living, which is how they advertise it on their network. So, hey, you want to live in a strong Christian community? Come buy a house from me and also give me more money. (laughs) They expanded it to around 23,000 acres of resorts a water park, an amusement park, and they employed about 2,500 people. Jim described it as Christian Disneyland. It was also many times larger than Disneyland. I mean, isn't Disneyland kind of Christian Disneyland given Walt Disney's views of the non-Christians? Oh, uh, and he said like, well, why have Mickey Mouse when you can have salvation? (laughs) Okay, now- He said it in a straight face. And in my head, Jesus now sounds like Mickey Mouse. Oh my god, that would make the crucifixion hilarious. <laughs> if we Pluto weren't... just comes up and stabs him with the spear. Wait, no, Goofy stabs him with the spear. Let's be realistic here. Yeah, because Pluto can't walk on his hind legs, just Goofy. Yeah, just Goofy. We don't ask these questions. We don't ask these questions. And the attractions at this theme park included Main Street USA, which was a ripoff of Disney's Main Street. Yes. But it was inside, and it was just a mall. And not even a big mall. It was a tiny, tiny mall. That was one of their biggest attractions. They had a castle, which was creepy as fuck looking. Uh, It had go-karts, an arcade, and a skating rink. Ice skating or roller skating? It didn't go into it. Well, then I'm against this place because I need to know. It was both at the same time. You're on ice, but also on roller skates. It does not end well. Oh, no, no, no. You were just on a wooden roller skating rink and ice skates, and you were just ruining that rink. (laughs) They had a TV production studio. The Jerusalem Amphitheater, where they'd have live shows and prayer meetings. They had a conference center, a hotel, and various housing for staff, visitors, campgrounds, like just all this stuff. They had the Heritage Island Water Park, which... Was it all holy water? No. And also, this 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 water park was not an island. It was a fucking peninsula. Rude. So rude. It's like, come on, man. You're Get under... This... Well, I guess they probably don't believe in, like, school... And geography. No. And is that geography? I think that's geography. That's, maybe it's... Yeah, I think it's geography. That sounds like a geography question. Like, geography, I know, is like locations. Hey, geography just leads to geometry, which leads to science, which leads to Satan. 
And why have science when you can have salvation? salvation. Yeah, this uh, was, but actually I saw pictures of it. This was a pretty rad looking water park. So you would give up your scruples to go to this water park? No. Is that because you don't like water parks? And it's a cool looking water park, but there's also cooler ones closer to us. But, well, we have two water parks here. Yeah. One, one, one did murder a kid. One did murder a kid. We don't go to that one. It's closed down. Is it closed down? It's I know like that they closed, closed down, closed down. Oh, thank God. Yeah. It was, they were open again two days later. The bloodstains weren't even cleaned off from when they decapitated that Well, child. they weren't able to take the whole thing down for over a year. Yeah, for the investigation. So you drive by and you just see this. If you have a strong stomach, there's a pretty good documentary you can watch on YouTube. If you don't have a strong stomach, it's, oh, don't watch it. And for those who aren't Kansas City natives, it was the Schlitterbahn Water Park. Yeah, and the water slide was called, I think, Verukt. The Verukt. It was it was the tallest water slide. And, and they knew going in that it was going to kill somebody. Yeah, they was... actually knew this. Yeah. And also, um, it's most famous for when uh, the Reverend Jerry Falwell kind of made a bet about, like, if we can raise $20 million, I'll go down a water slide in a full suit. And he followed through on it. And you can see a video of Jerry Falwell going down a water slide in a suit. That's like the shit that schools do to get kids to participate in things. Oh, no. I'll, okay. If you do this, then the principal will let you put a pie in their face. This entire theme park reeks of trying to look cool for kids and not knowing how to do it. Kind of like the D.A.R.E. program. Kind of like. I'm hitting some very common themes in my topics. Yes, last week was the D.A.R.E. program, if you haven't yeah. gone back. Uh, then there was the Upper Room. It was a chapel that was a replica of the building where the Last Supper was. Now, no, we don't actually know where the Last Supper was. There's a building in Jerusalem that they claim was, yeah, this is where the Last Supper was. Because that kind of structure would definitely still be standing. We don't know for sure. They just say it is. But they built a replica of it. And there was a little train that would take you around the sprawling park and a replica of a biblical market where you could go shopping. Did you get to flip tables at it? No, you Then didn't. you are not being very Christ-like. And they'd have like costume characters, which are just biblical characters walking around. Like they'd have Jesus. They'd have passion plays. And, and I bet they were all white. I was trying so hard to find out what kind of rides were at this theme park. Like I even found a map of the theme park so I could see if there were rides. I don't think there were rides. It was just a bunch of stores. It was just a bunch of stores. It sounded, so it's Mall of America. It sounded boring as fuck. Kind of like, never mind. Yeah, it's like, kind of like the Mall of America. There's a theme park and shopping. See, I was going to say kind of like going to church. It was kind of, it was exactly like going to church. And apparently there must be something we're missing because it was America's third most popular theme park right after Disney World and Disneyland. Well, I mean, think about like the Renaissance Festival doesn't have rides, but people go every year. Yeah. And six million people visited, a, visited that park a year. So maybe we're missing something. Yeah, I don't think we're so. missing out on an opportunity, Austin. Ka-ching. And uh, that was until... And of course, he begins construction on a high-rise hotel that was 21 stories tall. But that was in 1987 when everything started to collapse around him for three reasons. Firstly, uh, the embezzlement and fraud got to be so bad that not even old Ronnie Jellybeans himself could ignore it anymore. They had was about $67 million that were unaccounted for, and their personal expenses were so large and for so many things not related to ministry in the church 
that the IRS actually, uh, they lost their tax exempt status in 1985. It was, they had found literally millions and millions of dollars of personal non-work related expenses that the bakers had just taken, embezzled money freely and openly and not even bothering to hide it. So they lost their tax exempt status in 1985. Well, Jesus protects you from embezzlement charges and COVID as we've seen from the church up the street. Yeah. But um, it wasn't enforced until 1987 and it only was enforced in 1987 because they found out through a uh, local Charlotte uh, uh, newspaper like investigation that the upstairs room that looked like the Last Supper was actually prostitution. Not the upstairs room was prostitution. <laughs> See, as soon as you said that, I'm like, it's a brothel. It's a brothel. Jim was paying off a woman to keep rape allegations from coming forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Jessica Hahn claims that Baker and his co-host, John Fletcher, drugged and raped her in Florida. They then paid her $279,000 to keep her quiet. And it was also in this investigation revealed that Baker kept two different sets of books to to hide accounting regularities, like paying off this woman that they had slept with. I mean, Alexander Hamilton got to be one of the founding fathers this way. Yeah. Baker tells this story slightly differently. Does he? Yeah. Um, He thought Fletcher was having an affair with his wife. Tammy Faye Baker? Tammy Faye Baker, the potato with too much makeup. And so he wanted to tempt Fletcher away so he'd sleep with other women that weren't his wife. That's what Jesus would do. So uh, Jim Baker was instead uh, trying to tempt him to sleep with Jessica Hahn, but instead he was tempted to sleep with her and it wasn't an affair. It was only 15 minutes of sex and Jim Baker cried afterwards. (laughs) That's his version of the story. No matter what version we're talking about, he's a bag of dicks. Absolutely is. So after the variation this... in the size of the bag of dicks is a little different, but so after this story broke, the allegations of sexual misconduct came forward more and more of them, including um, allegations of homosexuality from Baker's associates, including people who worked on his show. Mm-hmm. So this might sound very film, film familiar to what was happened with Jerry Falwell Jr. and him having to leave his university. Same shit was happening you know, in 1987 to another scumbag televangelist. I am shocked. Yeah. It's almost like this is a constant theme amongst these televangelists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're watching you, Joel Austin. Oh, he's yeah, he's also a prosperity Bible guy, and I guarantee you he's doing the exact same frauds. He's just hiding it better. The last time I went to church, it was this little bitty church. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But the pastor so visibly wanted to be a televangelist at a mega church. Oh, yeah. He was bald. He had the little earpiece with the microphone. I'm like, it's dude, like, there are 50 people here. Like, yeah, this was, I mean, you couldn't cough in this room without it echoing across it. You don't need a microphone. Mm-hmm. Like, Mike, hard of hearing, grandpa, could hear just fine when people didn't have a microphone. Although, he wouldn't remember it afterwards. Like, although if he had been lucid, he would have pretended he couldn't hear because he thought yeah. the, he would have thought the microphone was funny. Yeah. And just all the other things forward. So at this point, the, the, the scandal was getting so bad that Jim Baker had to step aside and hand off PTL to Jerry Falwell. Oh, no. And this is when he did that, t- that $22 million donation drive and went down the slide. But even that was not enough to save PTL because and fellow even barred Jim from returning, hoping that like donations would pick back up because donations just tanked. Shocking. Yeah, they didn't want to give money to this organization with all of the f- obvious fraud and sex, you know, sexual scandals. And the place went bankrupt and had over seventy two million dollars in debt. You're never going to get that back. Even with all of the revenue they're making, they were still colossally in debt to like nearly a hundred million dollars. Still not as much as my student loans. Yeah. Well, maybe. Maybe ooh. I should open a theme park. 
Open a theme park, pay off those student loans. Yep. Did we just write a Disney movie? <laughs> and then the criminal investigation began. So remember when I mentioned earlier that Baker was building a skyscraper hotel as a part of his theme park? Mm-hmm. Well, it was called Heritage Tower. It was a 21-story luxury hotel. But the costs were getting out of hand, and he couldn't afford to keep building it. So he decided he was going to start selling lifetime memberships mm-hmm. for $1,000 promising anyone who bought these would be guaranteed a one three-day stay a year every year for the rest of their life. And he ended up selling thousands, tens of thousands of memberships for this 500-room hotel. So there was no way he'd be able to fulfill all of these these things. It's like and the world's worst timeshare. Also, the uh, the uh, ha- he, uh, he over-raised for it. So he had enough to build the hotel, more than twice as much. So the other half of that decided to go just to the operating expenses of Heritage USA because the place was, you know, crawling in debt and he was losing money hand over fist. And also Baker pocketed $3.6 million for that. Mm -hmm. So he ended up being charged with eight counts of mail fraud, 15 counts of wire fraud, and one count of conspiracy. He was fined $500,000 and was sentenced to 45 years in prison. He was paroled in 1994 after having only served five years and... His lawyer promised that he would never do it again in his parole hearings. He did it again. Uh-huh. Um, he became like an end of the world. Pro- like the world is going to end. And he had all of his prophecies. I like, think this is where I know him from. Like he claimed that, oh, I had a dream about 9-11 in 1999, but he didn't talk about it until like, you know, well after 9-11. And he also claimed that, you know, I had a dream about the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shootings, but it was really a prophecy and about how we need to follow Donald Trump's dream and arm the teachers. So this guy's a scumbag. He was also talking about the end of the world and using it as a way to sell buckets of freeze-dried food as a part of his television show. Remember a few years ago, there was that place down south that back when they thought the world was ending, I think it might have been the Mayan one, where they had billboards. They were like, all right, we're definitely going to hell. We're not going to get taken. So if you give us money, we'll go get your pets after you get taken and we'll uh, we'll take care of your pets. And they actually made like a good amount of money on it. So I'm... Ooh, I think. And there's no way like services weren't not delivered. So, yeah. And of course, uh, he even came up in the news this year Mm -hmm. because in 2020, he decided that he was going to start selling colloidal silver like tinctures, basically. Isn't that the stuff that can turn you blue? Yeah. And as a started selling it as a cure for all diseases, including the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. People are buying up, buying into it. Yeah. He actually um, uh, his show was largely canceled from this and a big movement to deplatform him him occurred like AT&T will no longer support him and all of like everyone dropped him at this point no cell phone service for you he had quote unquote had a mild stroke after this and has his family has said that he's going to be taking a sabbatical from doing TV for a bit i do not think he had a stroke i think he's just trying to you know lay low until the heat dies down from him conning america again also um the city the states of missouri and arkansas are suing him over this wow yeah arkansas missouri <laughs> So that was, uh, that was Jim. He went to jail for a little bit and he went immediately back to conning people. Yeah. He did not learn his lesson. That's what people do. Yeah. So his park is mostly gone now. Uh, it was mostly sold to developers in the area and just turned into housing. You can, if you go there Those are haunted as shit. Uh, yeah. If you go there now, you can see like there's some little signs that there was a theme park there. Like there's a path where the railway was. You can see some tracks still. There's like just occasional little things like, oh, that's a big old fake rock. Or it's like there's some weird landscaping choices. And, uh... There's only a few things left from it. Like the water park was demolished in 2013 and is now townhomes. 
And it's a re- if you look at the satellite images of this area, it's this weird little peninsula. And it's got like ten townhomes on it in the middle of this lake, and it's just it's just weird. It is a weird looking little spot for houses. And uh, there's only a few things left. The uh, Grand Hotel has turned into a Christian conference center, and it was bought by an organization called Morning Star Ministries. Yeah, uh, the upper chap the upper Wait, room. Wait, isn't Morning Star the name of Ron Swanson's company in Parks and Rec? No. Th- oh no, that was there's something about Morning. Morning. I think Morning Star is all- they also sell vegan meat or like I don't know. No, like that, but that was what they were arguing over was Morning Star. Yeah, it wasn't his company. His company was like very good something. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. So it it still exists with and it's got the uh, Main Street USA, which is still just a shitty mall mm-hmm. with a bunch of really again watch the watch the little video just really it empty. It is just an empty place and like it's most got, malls. It's got sad little stores. Uh, there is the Upper Room Chapel. It still exists. It's still creepy. And then... It's a Taco Bell now. The Heritage Tower was never completed, but it's sitting there abandoned and unfinished. That can't be a... That has to be a safety hazard at this point. Oh, it is. Uh, Morningstar claims that Baker prophesied that it would open and that they need to keep this tower and open this tower. You know, and Morningstar also claims that, don't worry, they've got the financial backers to finish the construction and repair it and get it back up to standards. But when when they are asked about this at county hearings because the county wants it torn down because it's an eyesore, it's literally falling apart. Like the brick facade is falling off. Windows are broken. It is crumbling. There are trees growing on the roof. Mm-hmm. And not like cute little planter trees. No, just like dirt and crap is built up enough that trees can grow on the roof. Mm-hmm. And uh, they claim that they claim at these county meetings that, oh, yeah, we have backers. But no, oh, no. When asked, they said, oh, I, we can't we can't name them. It was so long ago. I can't remember the names off the top of my head of these people who have promised you millions of dollars to complete a skyscraper hotel. You got paperwork. Yeah. And when they ask, well, is it, they say, oh, yes, it was definitely inspected and structurally sound. In the 80s. But no, they can't remember what construction company inspected it. And they don't have any paperwork to back up any of these claims. The county and the surrounding communities absolutely want it torn down, claiming it is an eyesore. And it's just like they want it gone because it's this colossal tower in the middle of basically a residential neighborhood Mm -hmm. that is falling apart. It looks like a weird, blasted, like post-apocalyptic, apocalyptic nightmare thing. Unlike Timmy Faye Baker, which is apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. Oh, also, this is just for us. There's a podcast that's going to think this is funny as we will. In 2006, a splinter group from a 24-hour prayer ministry moved into the old, some of the old Heritage USA spaces. Uh, It was called the Zadok House of Prayer. Hmm. A splinter group of IHOP. The International House of Prayer from Kansas City. Our friendly neighborhood cult. Yeah. Uh, They were forced out of heritage in 2009 when uh, Morningstar Ministries decided they wanted to open a Christian school there when the spaces they were using. Uh, Currently, $13.2 million tax lien exists on the few remaining heritage properties. Why would you be a splinter group from IHOP? Were they too conservative or too liberal for you? I don't know. I couldn't find anything about them. Also, I looked up what Zadok is. He's just like a weird, like super minor biblical figure who was like a son of Ezekiel who did nothing. So he was, you know, our kind of guy. Yeah. He was just... He just did nothing. He was was just there. He was mentioned. So what the fuck? So yeah, that was this weird popular theme park that was Jesus themed and had nothing I wanted to do there. except Other than make a lot of money just like he did. Yeah. And he didn't even do that right because he was losing money. It was just stupidity and blatant corruption and the 80s rolled up into one little story. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And that's like, I just want to talk about it because I don't think this would ever be an unattested school. And probably no one would ever want to talk about it except for me. But <laughs> it was nuts. So yeah, that was Heritage USA. All right. And by the way, if you like, uh, like looking at like things of like abandoned sites, there's some really cool pictures of like this abandoned water park and like modern people go to this tower and we'll get drone footage of it. And it's just, it is very cool. Like if you like just like looking at abandoned building stuff, there's some neat pictures and videos. I definitely broke into a half uh, torn down school for a photography project in high school. Most rebellious thing I ever did. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, um, the, uh, two, the people who do a history podcast in their closet are uh, <laughs> not known for being super rebellious so- yeah and by break in i mean i kind of crossed some tape and that was about it Ooh. so are you ready for questions oh no the other rebellious thing is i climbed to the roof of a movie theater by ihop once Ooh. that's about it but ihop is international house of prayer not international house of pancakes and they put out these little booklets that tell you about how about how you're going to hell but they look like they're booklets of coupons for pancakes and I'll get so excited when I find one because, like, people will just leave them in libraries. They also drop money on the ground that it looks like folded up dollars, but then you open it up and it tells you you're going to hell. And so it looks like it's a book of coupons. I'll open it up and it's like, nope, you're going to hell. It's like, God damn it, IHOP. I'm going to hell because of my love of pancakes. You know what? I hope they serve pancakes in hell. Are you ready for questions? Yeah. All right. Will the difference between islands and peninsulas be on the test? Yes. Will the crazy amounts of fraud the bakers committed be on the test? Depends on if this is a religious school or not. Will this incredibly boring theme park be on the test? I mean, that's the whole topic. Yeah. And will the fact that Baker only served one ninth of his sentence beyond the test. No, we can't talk about how much the justice system fails. Ugh, I know that that makes me the angriest because he's be, he's doing the exact same shit again. Mm-hmm. He should be in jail still. See, this is the kind of thing the three strike law should exist for stuff that like hurts thousands upon thousands yeah. of people multiple times. Not oh, you smoked the marijuana again. Yeah, he def- defrauded millions of people. Served five years. Mm-hmm. Bastard. Wow, oh, you went on for like forty minutes there, bro. Wow. I got a podcast in Indie Pods United I want to listen to in about 25 minutes. Oh, we should go fast. Are you daring me to put on my debater voice? Because I can put on my debater voice. Don't put on your debater voice. No one needs that. It's scary. It's not as bad as your teacher voice. Yeah, I can't do the teacher voice on... Uh, at will, I can do the debater voice at will. Maybe I should just make you angry by saying something. Um, Zach Efron is a substandard dancer. Sharpay is an unrealistic character. That doesn't even make sense. No, Sharpay is wonderful. I can't say bad things about Sharpay. <laughs> so I'm talking about something a little different today. It does involve harming thousands upon thousands of people and taking their money. So maybe not that different. I'm talking about a pirate. Ooh, pirates! So when you think of a pirate, what do you think of? Yarhar, Avast, the Caribbean, Johnny Depp, all drunken, staggering around. Where are the pirates from? The Caribbean and Europe. What gender are they? They're dudes. See, I'm talking about Ching Shi today, who was a female pirate from China and one of, if not the deadliest pirate of all time. Oh. Because unlike us wussy ass Westerners, China didn't think women were bad luck to have on ships. In fact, they had a number of female pirates. It was just extremely rare for them to be... uh, leaders and she was the leader of what is possibly the biggest pirate fleet in history. Ooh. So Ching Shi was born Shi Yang in 1775 in the Guangdong province. I'm going to call her Ching Shi during this to avoid confusion, but she had several different names and of course that that is kind of a Roman English 
version of how she was act what she's actually called. But most sources call her Ching Shi throughout, so that's what I'm doing. And so this is happening around the time of the American Revolution. Yes. <laughs> but we never got involved with this. So when she was about 13, she was forced into prostitution to support her family. She worked on a flower boat, which was a brothel on the water, which were very popular because they felt that the boat rocking on the waves made sex way better. All I can think is, ooh, seasick. It's like a it's like a waterbed. Vomit everywhere. It's like a waterbed, but made of wood and filled with lots of other dudes. Yeah. Can you imagine the smells in oh. there? You got the water smell and then the, the person smell. And it's like, oh God, and like below the decks where it's like all bilgy and gross. But she was one of the most popular girls out of all of them because she was fucking gorgeous. So you've got like this, like real fox who, I mean, 13, but the images of her that exist come a little bit later. (laughs) Um, So she was also really friendly. She knew how to play the game, basically. So in 1801, when she was about 26, some pirates show up. She might have been the madam by this point. It's kind of hard to tell. Sources vary. And a lot of stuff that I'm going to say, guys. Sources vary on when exactly things happen. So I'm doing the most common thing I saw. So the pirate's leader was named Zheng Yi. He was also called Ching the First, when you speak English and don't want to bother. His family had been in the pirate game since the 1600s, and he was basically the Dread Pirate Roberts at this point. What? Man, it's like, my family business is cattle farming. This is way better. Hey, hey, hey. Sometimes you mow things. It's true. Mowing lawns and cattle farming. Man. There are two stories about what happened next. Either Zheng Yi had his pirates kidnap her and he forced her into marriage, or he asked her to marry him and she demanded that uh, if she were to agree to, she would be given 50% of everything and partial control over his fleet. That is actually the more commonly believed story that he saw her. He was like, man, she's hot. You want to get married? And she's like, yeah, but I got a business proposition for you before I fucking agree. And since she did get this level of control over his stuff, that seems to be the most reasonable one, because if he kidnapped her, he's probably not going to negotiate with her. During their marriage, she was called Ching Wan Sao, literally meaning wife of Ching Wan. They adopted slash kidnapped a boy named Chung Po Sai, making him the heir to Ching's empire. Um, And Ching also had a sexual relationship with Ching Po Sai. He was 15 at the time. Their sexual relationship lasted until the time of Zheng Yi's death. This was actually apparently not uncommon between pirates at the time. Huh. I mean, the mermaid's probably not real. No. What are you going to do? Sorry, um, I had a funny image come through my head and I'm just going to have to share it with everybody. Oh, God. I was just talking about pedophilia, bro. No, this is before that. Okay. So, Zheng uh, Yi, uh, I just had uh, Cardi B's WAP come through my head. Because of the got, pancakes? Like, when they got married, it was like, I don't cook, I don't clean, let me tell you how I got this ring. Piracy. <laughs> Um, at the time of their marriage, Zheng Yi had about 200 ships. Uh, Ching Shi was like, ah, no, 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 you are failing at this. So they used Zheng's name to scare rival Cantonese fleets to ally with them. And it sounds like they also had a bunch of pirate refugees from a Vietnamese extermination situation. And in fact, for nearly 10 years before this, Chinese pirates had been serving the King of Vietnam. By 1802, Chinese piracy in Vietnam was over. Like this, it got really confusing. There was a whole Viet, there was a whole, like 17 wars were happening during this. This is what I was able to get the most information about. So that piracy was over in Vietnam. The couple began leading the pirates just in general. And they wanted to establish pina- p- power in China. They kind of balanced each other out. So basically, she took care of the business paperwork. He took care of the pirate activities. 
Basically, if it was something that needed to get organized or restructured, she did it. If it involved killing people, he did it. Mostly. Turns out she kind of liked things a certain way. By 1804, they had 400 junks and 70,000 men. Junks were the sailing ships. They had fully battened sails. The junks were full of seamen. <clears throat> they organized their fleets into red, black, white, green, blue, and yellow flag quadrants. Within a year, they had gotten so much control over the pirates in Kwangtung that this led to the downfall of the commander-in-chief of the province and the death of old Tiger Huang, who was a general. Wow. Oh, no, this is just the beginning because she's not in charge yet. So, But it wasn't just the organizational paperwork stuff she took care of. She was also like, okay, dudes, there are going to be some fucking changes around here. So she established the rules they had to follow. Now, again, I read some things that said that this happened after she took control, but most sources said that this happened while he was still alive. So refusing to follow orders or giving orders without permission was grounds for immediate execution. Like on the spot, you were killed. Damn. Goods that were stolen from other people, like booty, was put into the group coffer. 20% went back to the pirate. Pretty good rule. Um, this actually wasn't common. Usually people kept their own shit, but this is how they actually kept, uh, I guess this is a pun, but this is how they kept afloat. Oh. Uh, if they did not turn over all of their stolen goods, depending on the source, they were either whipped and future offenses were escalated and like future offenses, they escalated the punishments until they were executed or... Part of their body was chopped off, the size of which was determined by what they kept for themselves. Damn. I'm not sure which of those it ended up being. They were not to steal from any villages that helped them or from the group money. That was another execution thing. Leaving without permission, going AWOL, resulted in your ears being chopped off and then you being paraded in front of everybody else. And then another one. These are not all of her rules. Um, There's a lot of drawing and quartering and flogging and pretty great stuff overall. <laughs> have I mentioned that I like the rules we have in our house and I don't think we need to change any of them? Female captives had to be respected, mostly. If they were attractive, they were held for ransom. And if the male pirates wanted to, they could marry them. If the woman agreed. If the guy was like, she's hot, I want to marry her. And she was like, fuck you. Nope, they didn't get to marry her. Unattractive women, pregnant women, and sick women were just released. They weren't held for ransom or anything. They were just let go. If one of the pirates married one of the attractive women and then cheated on her, he was executed. If a man raped one of the captive women, he was executed. However, if there was consensual premarital sex, both of them were executed or, depending on the source again, he was castrated and she was banished. But most cases say that he was murdered pretty graphically and then she was thrown over overboard. So overall, she expected you to not be a dick to women, and you had to remain monogamous and faithful. There were some sources that said that the pirate leaders got to have multiple wives, but they still had to be wives. Her reasoning for this was that men would take their violent tendencies and instead use them against the enemies rather than the women around them or other members of their own crew. Huh. When Ching I died unexpectedly in 1807, and I could not find anything valid to say how he died, Ching Shi didn't hand over her power. Instead, she just took it all. She worked to solidify the relationships with her husband had begun with important leaders, used diplomacy to keep her team on her side, and perhaps most importantly, kept command of the Red Flag Squadron, which had about 300 junks and 20 to 40,000 men. However, overall, between all of her squadrons, she is believed to have over 1,800 ships and 80,000 pirates. That is a lot of pirates. Mm -hmm. And this is where her adopted son, Cheng Pao, comes back. He's been here the whole time. He's been taking, he's been running his own fleet. He's been banging his dad this whole time. Step slash adopted dad, but still. 
ick. She knew that despite having this amount of respect from the pirates, they would probably still better listen to a man. So she's like, okay, I need to get this guy to let me retain the actual power, but be kind of my mouthpiece. So she started banging him, as one does, to get power. No, that's this not what family is. I mean, I guess they're pirates. They're not going to follow like normal. No. And again, none of this was especially uncommon. Uh, she started having sex with him about two weeks after her husband died or so. She was married to this guy, which meant that him being the heir to everything was kind of off. So she got to keep everything. <laughs> but she got him to be more in charge of more of the squadrons. He kind of became the de facto leader, but she was the one pulling the strings. She also attempted to keep control over the pirates by getting them to follow her religious beliefs. And I have beliefs in quotation marks because a little culty. A little culty about what's what's about to happen. Was um was it was it the prosperity gospel? Possibly. Was, she, was this Tammy Faye Baker? She did not need that much makeup. Okay. So the pirates had to talk to the gods before going on any mission, and they had to listen to the omens, the good omens, the bad omens, to determine whether or not they were allowed to go. Shang Pao even put a temple on one of the largest boats, and they met with the priests before they did anything to you know say prayers and make sure it was a good mission, and definitely not for Cheng Pao to tell them this is what I'm go- you're going to say to everybody, but what the gods wants. Definitely not. Oh no, no, never. No. So yeah, he told the priests what was going to happen. The priests said, yeah, this is what the gods want. And they made it kind of look like Ching Pao had divine powers, which kind of made the pirates look at him as some kind of divine entity. So she created a god. She also, this is around the time where people were like, hey, you know what's really good? Salt. Yeah, you need salt. She began to attack Quang Tung because it had all this salt, taking more and more ships as she did that. She would basically go in there and they'd be like, no, you can't have our salt. She's like, fine, I'm taking your motherfucking ship then. This ultimately resulted in her negotiating with the salt merchants so that they could keep their ships and keep moving and they wouldn't get attacked. What they had to do was basically pay her a tariff. They had to get a certificate from her saying that these, this ship is to pass without being murdered. So she just levied taxes. Oh, just wait. Um, so they would have these certificates they could keep going across the water. They extended this to other types of merchants as well. Anybody who wanted to go across the water had to have a certificate from them saying, please don't murder us. By 1809, the villagers in the Pearl River Delta were all paying them, even the ones who had on land like stuff happening <laughs> or their cities, their towns were destroyed. Less work, more money for the pirates. This became a little bit too big for her to handle, though, because this is like a corporation. So she began to have tax offices in major port cities. <laughs> she literally had like an H&R block situation <laughs> happening. It's like, oh, man, I got to stop down by Shangji's and pay off our dues for the next month. Okay. She established relationships with government officials who were like, oh, yeah, pirates are bad, but but privately like wouldn't do anything about them. Those ones who were like, pirates are bad and I'm actually going to do anything. She kidnapped them. Some of them she killed. Some of them she ransomed. Whatever the whatever needed to happen is what she did. She also blocked off rivers within the towns so that people couldn't transport stuff if she didn't think they needed to be transporting it. And she did this all the way from Macau to Canton. That is a very big area. Basically, every village in between was in her power. And she even went after this one village called Shen, uh, Sanshan, who were kind of like, no, we're not going to do this. Ended up beheading at least 80 men and kidnapped all the women and children for ransom. And then the ones who didn't get ransomed, she sold into slavery. Oh, that's yeah. right. Pirate. Pirate. However, um, she would eventually get all of these villages to agree to work with her, partially because they were tired of being murdered, but partially because she would actually give them some stuff. Like, if they agreed to work with her and not tell on her, basically, because snitches get stitches, she'd be like, okay, cool, here's a portion of what I have. Here's money. Here's salt. Here's the stuff that you need. So it was actually kind of a good situation once they decided to stop being murdered. (laughs) 
However, shockingly, the Chinese Imperial Navy wasn't too keen on all of this. What? So they went after Qing Shi. And by 1808, the Navy had lost the battles. <laughs> Some sources say they'd lost 63 ships. Some sources say that she had taken over all but four of their 270 ships. <laughs> no matter what, we do know this. The pirates once nailed one of their officers to the ship's deck, beat him until he vomited blood everywhere, and then butchered him on the shore. And their admiral, Kuo Lang, uh, killed himself rather than risking capture. Yeah. It was so much that the government had to start using fish fishing vessels because they were out of warships. What? Because of this one lady pirate. God, that's amazing. For years, as far as we could tell, she never lost a single battle. So the emperor was like, okay, we're going to have something new. And he cut their supply lines. Any place they're getting stuff from, he cut it off. So she's like, cool, we're going to go on land then because we do have legs. So she started destroying the villages, uh, ones that weren't in agree with her. This, Like I said, some things kind of come out of order here. It's kind of confusing. But basically, they pillaged and destroyed villages because the emperor was like, I'm going to try to stop you. And she's like, bitch, you can't stop me. It's like, I've got, I've got, I've got the bigger army and the bigger navy. I'm just going to go do shit. However, around this time, she also began facing attacks from other pirates. Opotai, a former ally, even joined forces with the Qing government, uh, Q-I-N-G King. Oh, Qing. Qing? Yeah. Okay. And ultimately forced Qing Shi to retreat. British and Portuguese bounty hunters were coming after her, as were their navies. And they actually were defeated by the Portuguese navy at the Battle of the Tiger's Mouth, uh, the final battle of which was the naval battle of Czech Lapkok in 1810, where she ended up surrendering. Earlier, they did have some peace talks. They failed on April 8th, 1810. So she, being the smart bitch that she was, was like, I know what will get these men to listen. Took 17 of the wives and children to meet with the governor general. So instead of having pirates, she brought all the ladies and the babies. Because <laughs> oh, no. she's a fucking genius. And also she's still really hot. Um, and she brokered an amnesty. This is like the most killer amnesty in history. Her whole fleet was offered amnesty, and most of them were offered full pardons as long as they surrendered their weapons. They got to keep the rest of their shit. <laughs> Any of the bounty that they had gotten was theirs to keep. All they had to do was give up their weapons. At this time, she was down to just over 17,000 pirates. 60 of them were banished, 151 were exiled, 126 were executed. The rest of them took the amnesty. Uh, Cheng Pao, her son-husband, changed back to his old name, whatever it was before, and returned to the Qing dynasty. That's what it is, right? Mm -hmm. He became a naval captain. They actually were like, cool, you're in charge of our fucking navy now. And she actually negotiated. Not, she, that was her. She went in there and said, also, you're going to make my husband a naval captain, just so you know. It's like, I, he needs a job, okay? Um, I can't just have him sitting around well, playing Fortnite. There, she was like, don't you want me to retire? I know you don't want me going back into business. But my, so my husband needs a job and he's really good with boats. So she got him a fucking naval captain job. And she did the same thing for a lot of her favorite high up pirates. They all ended up working in the government. <laughs> That's awesome. She got the government to also recognize their marriage because it was not a legal marriage. In 1813, she had a son and she also later had a daughter. She was... 38 when she had her daughter. And so this was back in, you know, the early 1800s, which is pretty impressive. Then her husband died at sea in 1822. There are different versions of what happened. So she moved to Macau and she opened a gambling house in a brothel and she worked in the salt trade on the side. Bad bitch, right? Yeah. And she later served as an advisor 
to Lin Zizu, Zixu, Z-E-X-U. I don't speak Chinese. Zexu. As he fought the British Navy during the First Opium War. So she was an advisor to help China win the Opium War, basically. Because if anybody knows the ocean, it's her. She died in 1844 at the age of 69. Just died. None of this pirate horrible deaths. It's just like, oh, done. And she was at that time, she was like a grandma and like living this old grandma life, running her brothel and shit. Oh my God. Can you imagine if like any of our grandparents are like, it's like, oh yeah, I used to be the pirate queen. It's like, uh-huh, grandma. Sure. Um, Maybe your grandmas you wouldn't believe were pirate queens. Okay, definitely. I can, you're, both of your grandmas I could see being a pirate queen. Yes. Very different kinds of pirate queens. Mm-hmm. One is definitely more of a, like, you know, Pirates of Penzance musical pirate queen. The other one is definitely more of a... ching chi kind. ching chi um, her legacy does live on. She was the inspiration for Mistress Ching, one of the pirate lords and pirates of the Caribbean. She's shown up in a bunch of graphic novels and mangas and animes and stuff like that. And she is a currently a character in RuneScape named Madame She. Wait, RuneScape still, still exists? Still around. Yes, it is still around. Oh, dude. I used to play that all the time in college. Somehow, like, I thought I was going, like, back, like, talking about the 80s shit, and RuneScape still exists? Okay, we got four minutes until that podcast okay. I want to listen to on Indie Pods United. Will the fact that the deadliest pirate in history was a woman, will that be on the test? Damn right. Will the fact that her second husband was also her stepson, who she had been in a relationship, who had been in a relationship with her first husband, be on the test? Yes. Will the fact that she insisted on marriages being consensual and disallowed rape and disallowed premarital sex be on the test? It will, and the kid wearing a fedora will be pissed. <laughs> That's who I used to play RuneScape with. <laughs> Will the fact that her second husband convinced people he was some kind of god be on the test? Yes, and the parents who went to Heritage USA will be pissed. And will this mass amnesty deal be on the test? Yeah, because that's just badass. It's like, this I was whole a pirate. thing is badass. Yeah, just like let me, let me just like break it down for you and just bam. Like step back, all you colorful beard men. Yeah. None of you have any, like, like whoa, they don't whoa. have anything on her. Red beard, black beard, no beard. None of you guys got anything on this. She was a badass. And I know she's like an evil badass probably, but I get it. Yeah. I mean, you got she was you forced do. into prostitution. It was not like, you know what I'm going to do today, which if, I mean, if you're you know able to do it safely and you want to do it, you do you. But she was 13. It's like, hey, you're just going to live on a boat and be a prostitute. It's like, oh, that sounds awful. All of that That's how she paid for her family. Like, she had to go do that. She hit puberty. They were like, you know what you're going to do. So I can understand having a little bit of rage. And uh, But although she moved up those ranks, like she was a madam and everything. And then this guy comes and he's like, hey, you're hot. You want to get married? And she's like, I need half of your pirate I have a business deal for you. And of course, this woman had no like formal schooling. She just managed to run a fucking country, basically. Yeah. So, you know what? You know what? Good for her. I get it. Where can people find us? Right, they can find us uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the test pod, on Twitter at on the test pod, on Instagram at on the test pod, and our website on the test We are also, like I said, going to be on indiepodsunited.com. We have a live show on December 1st, which is the day this is coming out at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. You should also be able to access it afterwards, but come watch us live. We really want to see you there. Mm-hmm. And we will be back next Tuesday with a whole new episode just for you. I feel like I'm forgetting something that we usually say at the end of the episode. Usually we just ramble about pointless shit, but we don't have time for that now. Yeah, we have to go watch another podcast on Indie Pods United. We, yeah. So, so on that note, class, class dismissed. dismissed.